0: champion, Dustin Chappie Chapman. Chappie, how you doing, man?
1: Man, happy to be here. has been, been a couple of week absence and I'm just grateful to be back.
0: Yeah, good to have you back, man. And then uh, also on the show today, we have the Signpost's own Simon Mortensen. Simon, good to have you back, man. You got a Wildcat hockey
2: jersey? That is a Wildcat hockey jersey. I uh, I picked it up during uh, one of the games that I was covering and they actually lost like 11 to 1, but... It was like 50 bucks. And I'm like, that's sweet. So $50, um,
0: that's it. Dude, I will yeah. pay I will pay that money because I, I would love to have one of those jerseys.
2: Right. Support Club Sports.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, man. And you know, rough go for the for the hockey guys. Uh ended up playing regionals, losing uh to UCLA six to three in the second round of the playoffs. Is that right? Yeah, I
2: think that's correct. Yeah, yeah
0: so season over, but uh, great group of guys, a lot of success, a lot of fun. So when the season starts next year, uh, make sure to get out to the ice sheet and check those guys out. They're a really good time. Um, but on the show today, guys, we're going to be talking about last week's game. So we got a couple of game recaps. We're going to talk about the, the loss of Portland State on Thursday night and then the absolute drubbing of Northern Arizona in the Purple Palace on Saturday. And then we're going to talk a little bit about – Big Sky Tourney Bracketology. So uh, the conference put out a bracket today uh, talking about what would, the, what would the tournament look like if it t- started today. So we're talking about a couple of situations there. We're going to talk to our panel a little bit about how that will shake out. Before we get into all that, though, I want to encourage everybody to subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all good places to find Weaver State Weekly. Uh, please rate us on those platforms so that we can climb in the rankings and find our way into the ears of more Wildcat fans wherever they may be. And you can follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Twitter, one of the best places to interact with the Weaver State Weekly team, especially with the conference tournament coming up. Uh, if you're not able to make the trip to Boise, we'll likely be doing Twitter spaces where uh, you have an opportunity to just kind of sit around and chat with guys on Twitter about the game as it happens. Really fun time. Twitter's uh, the place where all of that happens. And then, of course, we got our Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash weekly, Become a patron. There's a lot of good um, recruiting content up, up there right now And uh, also you can join our, our Game Day Slack channel where we chat With uh, our, our patrons about what's going on On Game Day uh, We drop some news in there sometimes It's a really great, really great resource but you got to be a patron to get in there So patreon.com slash Weekly. I uh, also want to shout out our sponsor for the show today This is Studio 98. If you're looking for a ring that isn't run-of-the-mill Check out Studio 98. They're a local jeweler run by a fellow Wildcat And he's a former football player as well He loves the purple and white just as much as you and I do uh, so check out their website, studio 98com That's studio N I N E and the number eight.com behold, their beautiful rings. Be sure to check out that flying W special. I've got it here on my finger. It's a beauty. So shout out to studio 98 and all the good work they're doing. And uh, of course, always supporting the purple and white. All right guys. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit now about uh, last week's games. Um, first up, we're going to talk about the, the trip up to Portland state. Um, this game was a weird one because we knew that Portland state was going to be a, they were going to be a team that was going to steal the ball a lot, right? Like they've really climbed in, in the conference rankings and that and creating turnovers. And uh, and they they did that. Um, but I think the thing that maybe surprised the Wildcats was how well they shot the three. They were the worst three point shooting team in the conference, uh, averaging, I think, right around like 31 percent a game. And uh, they shot well above that. I think they shot 40 percent in this one. And so uh, just uh, almost 41 percent. And so, I mean, let's talk a little bit about this, guys. Like offense was good. But the defense seemed to let them down against the Vikings on Thursday night. I mean, what what was the problem defensively that let the Vikings into this one?
2: Well, I think um, for starters, one of the things is um, when a team gets hot from the three against Weaver State, uh, they have a really hard time defending against that. We've seen that in other games this season. We've seen them fall because other teams can shoot well from the three. And so, you know, when that switch kicked on um, and they were able to, you know, uncharacteristically even have, have success from three. Weaver State wasn't prepared for that. And that he adds even more to, um, you know, their struggles at defending the three. So I think it's one of those things, it was just a double, um, just two things that kind of brought them down was they're not great. Three point shoot. They, they're not great. Three point defenders anyway, and they weren't prepared for it. So I think that's the biggest thing that kind of killed them against Portland state.
0: Yeah. Chappie, what about you? I mean, what's your take on this Portland state game, man? I mean, like we said, the three point, the, the three ball was falling for them. Some of those looks were wide open, you know, cause they, I, I can get how it'd be a scheme issue where it's like, yeah, we're going to dare them to shoot. Cause we don't think that they're that good. Uh, but also, I mean, there were a lot of looks where they got just, you know, easy buckets in the open lane. Talk, talk to me about that.
1: Well, I'm going to start out by saying what my good friend what our good friend Sean Lewis is saying right now watching this. And that is you do not lose to the green teams in the big sky conference. Yes, sir. Ever. <laughs> there is no reason to lose to the green teams. Okay. So you just, just doesn't happen. It did happen. And it happened last season too. It was early in the season. We lost to Portland state last year.
0: Yep. Um, After blowing them out in the first. Game. Right.
1: Yeah. So, so somewhat similar thing, of course, different team, different coach. But I mean, why do teams keep having good three, three point shooting nights against Weber state? That, that's my biggest takeaway is, is more of a question. Like it's been a problem all year. Teams tend to shoot well from three against us. They have their, you know, when one team has an unusually good night at, from three against, against your team and that happens every once in a while, that's one thing. But when it seems like it's a, happening a lot, I don't know that it's them. <laughs> it might, at that point, it might be us. Okay. And so that's, that's what I'm left to wonder and scratch my head and wondering after that game was, what is it about our three point defense? Because the games I've seen, like, I feel like we are a good defensive team. It just seems like for whatever reason, you know, we lose the guy late in the shot clock and that's the guy that's wide open and hits the three.
0: Yeah. I mean, there were definitely some shots like that. I think that there was a three right there at the end of the half that they hit. It was just like, uh, like really? <laughs> it's sort of annoying, right? A um, couple of things that stand out to me, fellas, from this game. Um, of course, we talked, we talked a little bit about the three-point shooting. Uncharacteristically good shooting night for the Vikings. They shot 45% in the first half, 5 of 11. And they followed that up by shooting 37%, 6 of 16. And I think that the problem here is they take 27 attempts and they hit 11 of them. I think that the problem is that the Wildcat scheme is good in forcing the ball out to the edges. Uh, the problem is that, um, the, the strategy kind of falls flat when a lot of those looks are open or you're going to get more volume because of that, because the paint is fairly well defended, um. And so I look at that and I say, okay, you're going to get more attempts, but you need to be ready for those attempts then at at a higher volume, higher clip of shooting, because, yes, teams are going to hit more shots if they take more of them, because that's what you're forcing them into. And so I think that that's kind of the, the thing that we've seen throughout the season is the fact that. Wildcats are going to, they're going to force teams to shoot more threes. Unfortunately, that means they're going to hit more threes and the three is worth more than the two. (laughs) So yeah, it (laughs) creates creates problems.
1: Kobe Kobe got a math degree, didn't he? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, so, and, and it seems like it's throughout the season, it seems like other teams make adjustments, right? Um, There was a stretch two, three weeks ago where, the emergence of Dante Bats, it was making teams have to play differently against Weber on the defensive end. And then it seems like they adjusted to that, and now they've gone outside a little bit more rather than where they were going inside. But I don't know, the late three in the shot clock has been a problem all season long.
0: Yeah, Simon. I don't know. I mean, aside from the three-point shooting thing, um, like I said earlier, there were a number of ga- of easy buckets to the rim. Like just going back through the stat sheet, I mean, Michael Carter III had he was eight of eleven shooting. A lot of those were you know high percentage shots at the rim. Had six assists. I mean, he didn't he didn't shoot the ball a lot from three. You know, he just got a lot of really good looks at the rim and a couple of trips to the free throw line. You know, ended up with nineteen points to lead. Um, almost all scores, except for Kobe McEwen. I mean, what was it about the defense that was giving up those buckets in the lane, which was which was the problem, you know, or was it, you know, like uh, cutting? I noticed that sometimes they would cut from the corner. You get this backdoor cut and that would create a problem defensively because they didn't seal the paint there.
2: Yeah, I think that was one thing that I was kind of curious about uh, with this game was we um, were State tends to either play with like, uh, like loose man-to-man or like a definite zone. Um, and one of the things is they like, typically leave their bigs back. And that's why teams have, a, in my opinion, that's why teams have a lot of success from the three against Weber state is because, you know, you look at me and you look at Sosoho Jawara and they're okay defenders. Like Sosoho Jawara will have a steal every now and then, but I think he's only had like three blocks a season. I don't think McEwen has really had a ton of blocks a season as well. Um, so I think one of those things is, um, your three best defenders are those forwards. And when you have a guard that comes in and that can score and that can create their own shots, um, you've got vulnerability in that defense right there. And so that's one of the things I like, I just don't think they played them right. I think they should have kept with a little bit more of a strict zone right there. Tried to force Michael Carter out a little bit more with some bigger guys, but instead it was mostly up to the guards to defend them. And they just didn't do a very good job at it. Well,
1: and and you're going to get, like, listen, admittedly, you're going to get teams that the second go round in conference play, you're going to have more losses like it happens. But you know, some of these losses are just not <laughs> they're, they're they're not good ones. So the Port- Portland State and Idaho are those those are losses that shouldn't happen under most any circumstance.
0: Yeah. Uh, one thing that I noticed, though, fellas, was it late in the second half. Um, so. Portland State was going small. They've seen the blueprint. A lot of teams have gone small to try and beat the Wildcats. It has worked, but they, they tried it. And then eventually the coaching staff on, on, you know, on Weber's side decided to put Dante Bassett back out there and run, pick and roll with him and absolutely punish that small ball lineup. Cause they knew that they would not be able to block him. Should he go to the rim? And that's exactly what happened. And it basically worked every time, like the one, you know, the few times that he didn't get a bucket at the rim, he either, you know, just missed the shot or he got fouled. Um, why did it take so long to make that adjustment? Cause once they made it, It was it was just an absolute you know like it was devastating like it got the Wildcats back in the game because they were down by double digits, and they get back in the game by running that Dante Bassett high pick and roll, and man, I just wish it would have happened you know maybe at the ten minute mark instead of maybe like the six minute mark you know.
1: Well, second half of that game too, they the the comeback was on because the Wildcats seemed to really clamp it down on defense too, right? And then they shifted away from that, and they weren't quite as tight and 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 then they start scoring they went to bassett i don't know honestly i mean that's that's definitely a coaching call uh we've seen times this year the first northern colorado game in greeley where weber went small to match noco and it helped right like it helped them run them out of the gym (laughs) so so it seems like it's you know basketball games are chess matches it's cat and mouse and yeah, you're right. For whatever reason, they did not go to it until it was too late on uh, last Tuesday.
2: I think that's one of the things, too, especially when you look at, um, you could tell that Weaver State kind of did their homework for this game a little bit because they were playing certain ways that um, were trying to get down some some strategies that Portland State has been using lately. And one of those things is Khalid Thomas right there with that forward position on Portland State is number eight in blocks and number two in steals. And I think that's one of those things is... Um, that's why he kind of moved away from attacking the paint with Bassett like he normally does. Uh, Randy Ray, when he normally gets him there, um, it's because I think he was a little bit scared that Khalid Thomas was going to have a, an exceptional defensive night and really anchor down the team. Um, and that wasn't the case. And unfortunately, we didn't figure that out till later in the game. Um, and I think that's one of those things where we just got to trust Dante Bassett a little bit more and let him do his thing earlier on.
0: Yeah, because I mean, you, you look at Khalid Thomas's points. Uh, you know, he had a, he had a good scoring night. You know, he shot a, a pretty good clip. I think he shot fifty percent in this one, right? He had six of twelve, and he actually shot the ball outside really well. That's a problem, right? He has shot five of seven from three. You know, the best uh, three point shooter for the, the Vikings in this one, but only two steals, right? And, and a guy who is number two, you know, in the conference, he was known for those steals. Um, only two in this game, you know, really, really, I think surprising maybe, and par- maybe that strategy works partially, right? Because the Wildcats hedge a little bit, they say, okay, we're going to put the ball into the hands of guys who are going to handle it a little bit better. We're not going to produce those turnovers as much, but then also, you know, it sounds like maybe it created some switching problems because then he had a lot of opportunities to shoot the ball five of seven from three. I mean, that's the game right there, folks. I mean, the Wildcats will lose this one by six, a couple of those don't go down. We're in business, right? So last thing I wanted to ask you guys before we move on and talk about the the Northern Arizona game is, I mean, silver linings on this. Because, I mean, this, this is an annoying loss late in the season that probably, like you said, Chappie, shouldn't happen, but has. The Wildcats are now sitting in the three seed because of it. Um, any silver linings from this one that we can
2: glean? There is one that I really like, and it happened in the first half of the game. And it is the fact that Zay Porter kind of kind of started to get the ball rolling again. Um, and I loved kind of seeing it. Cause we've talked about his problems on the show before. Like we've talked about how he just hasn't been showing up, um, how he's, he's had such a difficulty after that BYU game. And yeah. then he went, he had seven points in the first half as well as four rebounds. And so I'm like, there we go. Like we can have a little bit more faith in this, in this freshman player um, and kind of see what he can do moving forward. He He, he bought us some faith back. So yeah.
0: That's a good one. Right. And I think that like we've talked about on the show, I mean, a lot of the the problem that he's facing is probably it seems like injury, you know, that 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 shoulder is always pretty taped up. Um, but I think the nice thing about it is that he's figuring out that, like maybe the three, you know, the, the outside shot, which he was really great at last season, um, just not quite there this year because probably that that injury, that shoulder problem. And so, you know, he's he's finding other ways to get it done and he's producing off the bench. Right. If you look at the, I think, 12. Twelve points uh, off the bench in this one for the Wildcats. Fourteen bench points in this one. You know, or sorry, that, that that that's uh that's Portland State. Yes, it's thirteen bench points for the Wildcats in this one. I mean, eleven of those come from Zaire Porter. He's three of seven. You know, shooting from the floor, only oh of one from three. So he wanted to play. Got five free throws. You know, had you know got five rebounds. Like just uh, finding ways to contribute differently from what he has tried in the past. So. I think that's a good one, man. That like Zayer Porter maybe getting a little bit more creative with this game and understanding like what ways that he can contribute late in the season. I think that, that could pay dividends in the conference tournament because we need that kind of production off the bench. Chappie, what about you?
1: Uh silver lining for me is <laughs> is that we're probably locked into our side of the bracket. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but yeah. uh, I don't I don't see us I see us finishing two or three, probably not dropping much further than that if we do. So uh, the loss doesn't kill us because we're we're probably not, you know, if we beat SUU on Saturday, we're going to be two most likely. Um, That's the silver lining is that we're kind of locked in where we're locked in at either two or three. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, we can talk really quickly about the Northern Arizona game. I mean, it went really, really fast. Uh, I think the, the thing that was most interesting to me about this game, uh, Wildcats end up pulling, pulling out the win. You know, no, no fanfare here. 73 to 49 was never in doubt, uh, especially that second half. The Wildcats really poured it on. They scored 38 points and locked them down. I mean, Northern Arizona only scored scored 22 points in the second half. Like, that's it. They really, really struggled. Um, But to me, the story is Jalen Cohn, who's one of the most prolific scorers in the conference, was in the Purple Palace on Saturday. He had three points. That's it. Three points. Uh, He had absolutely abysmal shooting night. I mean, let me me just check his numbers really quick. I had him up here. But he shot... um, Cone shot one of nine from field goal range. He was one of seven from three. O of two from the free throw line. Had three rebounds, two assists. That's it. He had a, he had a steal. That's one of the best scorers in the conference. Like, what a terrific defensive job the Wildcats did on him.
2: Yeah. And I think that's one of the things with it too, is um, we brought up the free throw numbers right there. Um, and you're going to kind of see it when you look at Jalen Cone's stats, is that where he's getting a lot of his points is from that free throw range. Like when he's going good from the free throw, he's succeeding and getting, you know, these double digit nights, these you know, 20 point nights that are just incredible. Um, I think also like he, he has a three point presence to him. Um, and it's nice to shut that down, too, um, because I think one of the things is when he can't when he can't find a shot, he starts to get frustrated and shoot from the three a little bit more. It was like we said with McEwen, um, McEwen can shoot from the three, but he has to be able to choose his shot. And I think that's one of the same things that you're seeing with Cone is that he wants to choose his shot. And he's also going to try to get some contact in. And when they don't give him that contact and just say, hey, we're not going to foul you or anything like that. He starts to struggle and his strategy's kind of been um, hindered a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, good point. Like you said, Jalen Cone, the number four three-point shooter in the conference right now. I mean, on top of that, um, field goal percentage. Um, well, let me uh, let me go back to scoring, because Jalen Cone is now number two in the conference. He has now you know surpassed Kobe McCune, who is three, averaging 18.2 points a game. Cone is averaging 18.8. The Wildcats held that man to three points on Saturday. Like, what a great job. Um, all right, so we talked about that um wildcats the last thing we'll say about this the wildcats basically kept the, the lumberjacks to their averages shooting from two and from three like it was what it was but they blew them out so like what was the difference for weaver state right like this is this is a, a normal northern arizona night it seems aside from Jalen and not really not really scoring but their shooting averages are the same they got trounced what was the difference
1: you know, and and Weber was on on Saturday. Like they were, they were on, <laughs> and yeah. so I'm 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 left to wonder as a fan, like what what is different about you know obviously talent's different. I mean, there's a lot of different things there, but how do we get that Weber State team to show up more? <laughs> and is it is it a simple matter of playing? lesser teams is that simply what it is is it is it a, is it height i mean there's been a few games this year where we've commented here on the show that it feels like weber struggles a little bit against taller lankier teams you know montana state uh, going back to utah state byu fresno you know where it just felt like the taller lankier teams gave weber a, little, a couple fits um so so that's that's my biggest takeaway from the night is is how do we get that team to show up more? What was, what was different about that? How do we, how do we replicate that? And also other takeaway just because I tend to enjoy the media side of all of this. Number one, Northern Arizona's basketball production was phenomenal. Like watching that broadcast. I felt was, like I was, I felt like I was watching an actual game with an actual broadcast and it felt good. Uh, uh Northern Arizona's play by play gentleman. uh, Mitch Stroman was good. He's good. Yeah, he's really he's, good. He's, he's good. He's professional. He's likes to throw in a couple of little things here and there. Like I I don't I, We don't need to waste our time analyzing the strength of the big sky play-by-play guys. But the whole production at Northern Arizona was good. And yet another shout out to ESPN Plus, which I think has been possibly the best thing to happen in the conference in 10 or 20 years. No, it's it's
0: definitely been good. And you're right. Like that production was pretty good. We were making jokes in the um in the Twitter spaces about how, you know, the camera is so high in Portland state, you know, because of the way that the building is that it's a really weird angle. And so we made a lot of like nosebleed jokes, but uh, it was, it was better. And it's funny because they play in the walk-up sky dome in, in Flagstaff to, they play basketball in there. They also play football in there. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of weird, but like it works. It doesn't, it doesn't feel, I, I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't feel like a football stadium in there. Uh, when they're playing hoops., uh, so it's just kind of kind of interesting. But yeah, the production is good. And, like I said, Mitch Stroman is probably the best voice in the conference.
1: Right, folks. The, only, the only other one that I would put up with him is I don't know the gentleman's name, but the, the guy that calls the Montana State games is very, very good as well. Yeah, he is. the guy that the guy that calls the Montana games, he's good. He's a little too homerish. <laughs> that's, that's an off-season rankings poll we we'll save that for off-season content
0: fair enough uh i'll also say that i've really enjoyed uh the broadcast with tony parks and joe cravens i think that you know tony does a great yes. job preparing for those games absolutely um, you know, kudos to the administration for hiring him and you know bringing coach cravens back to you know be a part of those productions like they're they're a good team and tony you can always tell is very very prepared he's ready yes. to go he's he's a professional like i like having him on the wildcat team
1: Weaver's production is phenomenal for games and if nothing else just to hear joe craven's one-liners like I you, <laughs> you, you could you could you could you would watch any game just to hear those they are good all
0: right fellas so uh Wildcats end up splitting this week, losing, losing on Thursday on the road, but then, you know, getting one back in Flagstaff on Saturday. Um, so there is now one game remaining um, in their schedule, the SUU in the Purple Palace on Saturday. This will be the last time the Wildcats ever see the birds in March, um, unless, you know, they match up with them somehow in some tournament somewhere but like this is it so um the number two seed will be on the line i think going into this one um you should get out there it's gonna be great i saw a great promo today did you guys see that
1: no no it's promo no. uh
0: they're, they're doing 30 percent off tickets for this one Just fan appreciation i have to Let's go into the next segment, but I'll look that up and I'll shout it out at the end of the, of the show. So, let's talk a little bit about uh, Weber State bracketology or a big sky tournament bracketology. And so, uh, the tournament, uh, the conference released the bracket as it would stand today. If the tournament started in Boise today, this is how it would look. And so, we were able to grab that and kind of show you folks, if you're watching at home, uh, kind of what that would look like. And so, right now, as it sits, Montana State, I think, pretty firmly locked into the number one seed. Like They will be the regular season champion. Uh, that's pretty much what it is. But then there's a little bit of movement then around the two and three seed. Wildcats on the other side of the bracket. Well, it's currently Southern Utah, the number two seed. The Wildcats with the number three seed. Um, that could change depending on what happens on Saturday. Now, SUU has three games remaining. They have to play Monday night against Montana State in the brick up in Bozeman. Then they have got to travel to... Pocatello to take on Idaho state and they will end their season in Ogden against the wildcats. So a three game road trip for them this week, um, they get their turn around the horn and, uh, should they lose two of those games? Um, I think that that pretty much pushes the wildcats in to the the two seed. Uh, Do I understand that correctly?
1: Yes. Looks like it because when we we held the immediate tiebreaker just because we we've already beat them once. So yeah, we need to win Saturday.
2: Yeah.
0: So so guys, let's talk a little bit about this. Um, Wildcats are currently the number three seed. Like we said, we showed in the bracket. Um, they would play the winner of either if it were to stand today. If, if nothing changes and things could still change, but if it were to, as it sits today, Wildcats would play the winner of Eastern Washington or Idaho State. Um, how are you feeling about that matchup coming off of the first round bye? we know that Eastern Washington is a very scrappy team, but they've shown cracks lately, right? They ended up losing to Sac State on Saturday in the nest in Sacramento. Um, not a team you should lose to, but they did. Um, so I don't know, guys. How, how do you feel about one of those two teams facing the Wildcats in the second round?
2: Well, I think there's um, I think that's one of the problems is that both these teams are a little scrappy. And it's the fact that, you know, these are both teams that the Wildcat should beat, but could possibly lose to. We saw this with uh, Eastern Washington the other week, um, just with this game that we're like, you, you just lost to Eastern Washington. Like, are, are you kidding me? Um, it's a game that we should have had. Um, one of the things that scares me about Idaho State is that they will have those spurts where they just, you know, come off and end a And you have no idea where it came from, what happened, because statistically speaking, they're... They're one of the weaker teams in the conference. Um, I feel like if there was a team that I'd expect to beat the cats a little bit more, it'd be Eastern Washington. Sure. But I wouldn't be surprised on Idaho state. I'd rather have Idaho state playing them just because I think there's lesser chance, but it could still be, it's, it's still a team that I'm uncomfortable facing, especially in the second round of a big tournament.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, absolutely. I mean, Eastern has shown that they can be a very good defensive team. We saw that up in up in Cheney uh, just a couple of weeks ago where they handed the Wildcats a loss that really kind of hurt their prospects for retaining the one seed. And then, you know, the Wildcats followed that up with a loss in Moscow. Um, Eastern has beat some good teams, right? Like we've talked about it a few times on the show we've definitely talked about it within the the group chat for the big sky podcast network that Eastern is a young team, but is very scrappy. They've got steel ventures, who is one of the best three point shooters in the country right now. Um, They just, they just have a lot of guys that can really hit for them. And plus they play really good defense. They play really hard for their coach. But I think that um, when it comes to crunch time, there could potentially be an opportunity for the Wildcats because they are a very senior veteran laden team. And that could pay dividends. I, I don't know. I don't know what you think of that, Chappie. Yeah.
1: You know, Eastern's Eastern's going through what young teams go through, right? There's they're inconsistent. You know, that that's, that's the best way to say it for me. The, the thing that it comes down to is that we are not on the same side of the bracket, hopefully seemingly as Montana state or especially Montana grizzly. So Heck, as long as we're not on that side of the bracket, I'm good. We can Play whoever we, whoever else we want in the conference.
0: Yeah, it's a good point, right? Because the Wildcats have traditionally struggled against Montana in the tournament. There have been some problems there, um, and the Grizz are not going away, folks. Like, yes, they've been a little bit down this season. They haven't been, you know, quite as dominant this year. But I mean, <laughs> they just they just handled the 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 Bobcats in at Dahlberg on Saturday night. Was it? No, it was actually like. Was it yesterday,
1: right? It was yes. it yesterday. They were they yeah. were on ESPNU. They got the ESPNU Sunday afternoon spot yesterday. Well, And the Grizz are not going to go away because Travis DeCure, for however inconsistent he has been over the years in, uh, at Montana, he is dang good at getting his teams up for big games. And them playing Montana State is a big game, and them playing Weber State is a big game. So uh, I will gladly not play them in the tournament if we don't have to, unless it's in the championship game and then great.
0: Yeah. So, um, let's talk a little bit, um, about, so we talked about kind of that three seat, right. Uh, but we talked about how there's a little bit of movement here. Uh, let me bring the bracket back up for the folks at home to kind of take a peek. Um, so like we said, SUU not guaranteed the two seed right now there could be an opportunity for the Wildcats to move up and if that were to happen they would face the winner currently of either Portland State or Sac State I think a much more favorable uh, matchup for the Wildcats yes they did just lose to Portland State but they did handle Sac State they handled business twice against Sac State this season they did beat Portland State once Uh, I think that they can do it again Um, and then you would you know Find yourself in the semis. The Wildcats have not been to the semis for a, a couple of tournaments now, <laughs> so it'd be nice to get back there. Uh, haven't been there since 2019. Um, so the question I have here in in the rundown is: SEU has Montana State tonight. Is that right? Tomorrow night. It's tomorrow night. It's Tuesday night. Then they've got to go and play Idaho State, like we said in Pocatello. Then they've got to play the Wildcats on Saturday. I mean, and they played three games last week, right?
1: Yes, yeah, they are. They are. Let's confirm that. But they are. They're going to be in the exact same spot. Yep, that's right. So they they played Montana State on the nineteenth, uh, NAU on the twenty first, and Montana on the twenty fourth. So they are going through that same stretch that Weber State went through about a month ago. Uh, it's going to Weber's going to be there sixth game in 12 13 days um it's going to be a lot and we saw how that happened you know we saw what the result of that was for Weber State playing against Montana State the legs just weren't there
0: yeah and so my question is the Wildcats have one game left the game is at home they're basically waiting in Ogden for the birds to come and it's the final home game of the season Last time, like we said, it's a rivalry game. We saw them get up for the game in Cedar City, right? I think that this team understands that this is a rivalry game. They want to win, right? And they handled business against the Birds down in Cedar earlier in the season. That win kicked off that long win streak against some really good teams in the conference, you know, which was ended by Montana State Bobcats, who have now taken the, the number one spot. How do you see the game ending up on Saturday? Because if the Wildcats win, they're the two seed.
2: Um, one of the things I really liked about this game on Saturday is I loved the last game because the last game was intense and it was so much fun to see. Um, there's tons of animosity. like this is a rivalry. like this one this was like legit rivalry, and I love it. Um, but one of the things that I really liked about the last game was that I would really um we were kind of talking about what what does it take to get this team to be that beat Northern Arizona? to be in the tournament and it all comes down to how they handle their business from, you know, the free throw line, everything like that, and be able to, um, mitigate their fouls. Um, one thing is that, um, I really liked about Southern Utah game, um, last game was, um, you know, they were able to, they were able to keep the fouls like kind of between a couple players right there. but and they shot a high percentage of shots on him. But at the same time, he had some slip ups right there, um, and then just great defense on that forward and center position right there. Um, the fact that you know Spurgeon was held to just two points right there, their center. Um, that was kind of one of those things of you know um, Dante Bassett making his stride and his entrance into the big sky once again and kind of kind of killing it there. Um, but yeah, I think that's one of the things is we just have to play big against Southern Utah. We have to play with a little bit of grit, a little bit of the same emotion we came in with last time. And that's one of the things, like if we come in and we're in the, con- like, you know, semifinals against them and we've swept them, that's a huge confidence boost. That's something that like, you know, you get to the semifinal against a team you've swept, that's a whole different ballgame.
0: Yeah. Well, so I was thinking through this guys and I had a, I had a question for you to kind of like see what would happen. So SU has, three games left if they go two of three in those games so say they they lose to montana state on tuesday but then they beat idaho state and they beat the wildcats in ogden they would be tied with weaver state at 14 and 6 in conference play what happens then
1: There. Let me find the conversation. (laughs) This conversation uh, happened today with our own uh, Big Sky Podcast Network cohort, Brian Marceau and Brett Hine today. So let me find it. It doesn't go off of overall record. It goes off of something else. Because it would be the head to head would be split. It would be one
0: game apiece. Uh, and, And I think from if I understood correctly, from what I saw on Twitter, the answer is then they start to look down at who has beaten who at that point right yes and so you know the wildcats beating montana state once early in the season may pay dividends in that in that regard um but then again the wildcats have probably lost teams that the birds have not like idaho um so that could also hurt them um and i don't know if the birds have beat montana either
1: they lost to them last thursday no they beat them last thursday
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of of variables there.
1: According to Brett, according to Brett Hine of the standard examiner today, no yesterday in response to Lance Hartzler, who's beat writer up at, uh, up for, for Montana Uh, overall records, not the tiebreaker it's head to head and then comparative head to head going top to bottom down the standings. So there you go. So I would have to,
0: you know, maybe that's what we'll do as soon as the show's over here. We'll send a tweet out to Brett Hine to say, if this situation happened, who would get the two seed?
1: Or we just win the freaking game on Saturday. We'll <laughs> just
0: win the game and leave no doubt. <laughs> <You gotta laughs> if you, <beat> the birds, <laughs> yeah, beat the birds and like then you don't want <laughs> to worry about it, right?
1: Don't lose to Southern Utah. Don't yeah. do that. We don't. We do not want to do that. In the last day, last game of the season and last time we're going to see them in conference. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: Send them off with an L. It's their yep. final game of conference yes. play.
1: Um, enjoy, enjoy your enjoy your lesser conference and uh, enjoy enjoy being Dixie's whipping boy.
0: Wait now. No. I don't know. Dixie's got a way to come. They got a ways to come. I mean, SUU will beat them, I think for the next few years, but uh, Dixie's on the up and up for sure. Um, so guys, we haven't talked about this. Um, we noted, I noted in, in this that we've talked a lot about our side of the bracket, of course, and kind of how that looks. The other side is pretty brutal, man. Like Montana state with the number one seed Uh they're, they're there waiting for the winner of NAU in Idaho Uh, we just saw NAU, like I said, on Saturday, uh, down in Flagstaff did not go well for them. I think it's going to be a rough game. Should they win Idaho? I don't know. Idaho has been doing some weird stuff lately. They, you know, if they shoot, you know, know, our colleague at Tubbs at the club, Ryan Marceau in the big sky podcast network has noted that when on Idaho is shooting better than 56%, uh, they can be in it, right? That's how they beat the wildcats in Moscow. Um,
1: so break out the Vandals too. They, the Weaver kind of started a little run for them when they beat Weaver state. So
0: good for yeah, them. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, so Montana state gets the, uh, the winner of those two and then Northern Colorado and Montana play each other. The winner of those two, uh, will then go move on to the semifinal to face likely Montana state. Uh, but anything could happen before going out of the championship game. So, I mean, looking at this guy's, how, how do you think this side of the bracket shakes out? I mean, especially that that Northern Colorado, Montana matchup is an interesting one because I think anything could happen there. Like Montana could lose, Montana could win. I don't know. How do you guys see it shaking out?
2: Oh, unfortunately, I think, I think I see Montana winning in this just based off of a little bit more, a little bit more experience in the tournament and everything that. got. Um, but one of the things is that's, that's tough about, um, the Northern Colorado team is, you know, this is a team that's been fighting in that, you know, second, third, and fourth spot all, all season long. Um, and they're super dangerous. Um, I think one thing is like, if Montana goes on, Montana is the, uh, the, the stronger team of the two. Um, but it, it's one of those things where, um, both teams are tough. Like I do not want to be Montana state right now. I do not want to, I don't, I first off don't really want to even go up against either that eight or nine seed, but then to go on and play either Northern Colorado or Montana, which could easily be, you know, just right up there with, Weaver state and I, I put them over SUU to be honest with you. Like I'd, I'd rather face SUU than either of those two teams. So scary for Montana state.
1: Uh, that's 100%. I, I, I would, to me, Montana state's the most athletic team that I've seen in the conference this year, uh, second to what I'd say Weber Weber seems to have the most athleticism of anybody. Um, Jabril Bellows a legitimate big, I, I much prefer Montana state as a team than I do Montana. Uh, but I, it's hard, it is hard to beat Travis to on in a big game. He, he, he gets them up for it. So it's going to be a good matchup to me. Montana state's absolutely the better team. Um, one of the other debates though, uh, that, that gone on a little bit this week uh, should be mentioned as we, we talked about the tournament bracketology. I've, I've pretty well conceded that we're probably never going to get the conference tournament back, you know, back on campus with the schools. I firmly believe that we should have that. I think you got to create those memories and having big games at home and winning conference championships with all your fans creates memories. But, uh, I don't think the conference go is to Boise. Uh, yeah. With you, you and the 20 other guys there can rush the court, but <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather sure. do it with 10, I'd rather do it with 10,000 people at home. So, um, yeah, I, I the, the, the conference definitely wants to make that a, a marquee event, and they want they want the sponsors they want all that, everything that comes with that. So we're not going to lose that. Um, so with that in mind, uh, what the conference should do if they're going to keep it neutral site is, 100% move the bracket to be similar to what the West Coast Conference does, where the top two teams basically buy into the semis. Uh, in order for the Big Sky, in my opinion, to get higher seeds in the ncaa tournament we have to protect the top teams the top rpi rated teams we have to do whatever it takes to protect them and to make it more likely that they are the ones representing the conference they're going to be the top rated teams so if it it means that those teams have to buy into the semis i think that's what you have to do playing that extra game right now uh you know three games in three days it's it's rough. Uh, We've seen what, of course, Gonzaga is just dominant in the West coast conference, but uh, I, I like that style of tournament. If you're going to do it neutral site.
0: Well, I like that style of tournament because it incentivizes winning. If you win your games in the regular season, you get a more favorable spot, right? Like right now, this is why I haven't been super broken up about some of the games that the Wildcats have lost. Yes, it sucks. um, But if you're a top four seed or really you're a top five seed, in the, in the, in the big sky conference, you get a first round bye. Like that's, that's all you can ask for. That's, that's all the incentive that you really can get. And then at that point, it's just a matter of matchups. Right. Yes. And so there's really not a lot of incentive to being better than, the top, a top five team in the big sky conference because you get a first round buy. like that's it unless you're trying to jockey for a bracket you know position but i don't think anybody in the conference is really doing that nobody's throwing games right like no. that's not
1: happening <laughs> here <laughs> no no not, they've actually played each other that many times you're not doing that but but yeah. having one less game is a tangible difference and and again to go back to that like
0: but that's it that's the, the only con- incentive that there is yes yeah. to
1: raise the profile of the conference in basketball we have to win games in the NCAA tournament. Statistically speaking, it is harder to do that as a 15 and 16 seed, significantly harder than as a 12, 13, and even a 14 seed. We, we get the 14 sometimes been a 15, 16 a lot lately. Like, you know, heck, I think the last time we were a 12 seed, it was Weber state 2003, right? And that, when we lost that game to Wisconsin, but we have to, as a, to raise that profile of the conference, you have to kind of coddle a little bit the top tier teams the top rated team so that you don't have a, a five or a six seed or a four seed winning the conference tournament. And then just going in as a, as a 16 seed or a playing game that, that doesn't, that doesn't raise the profile. You have to win games in the NCAA tournament to raise the profile of the conference.
2: I like that. Um, I, uh, you know, especially talking with softball players, but I know this is the same attitude over in basketball too. You know, they, they care about winning, you know, the big sky conference. They care about winning those tournaments, but not near as much as they care about winning those playoff games. Um, I think that's one of those things is like, you know, the more, the more we win these, these tournament games, like these March Madness games, um, it's just, the better, the better for the conference, um, the better, everything that we got. Um, and it is, it's one of those things where upsets happen and that's what happens in March Madness. And we're allowing it to happen in that big sky setting where, you know, heck there, it it could be that, you know, Northern Arizona (laughs) wins out this conference. It's not going to happen probably, but, um, it is one of those things where I think that, you know, the teams that have performed outperformed and had the most talent should have a little bit higher of a chance of getting to the tournament than um, someone that probably will uh, get blown out in the first round. That's more likely to get blown out in the first round, should I say? But yeah.
0: Well, cause like going back to the bracket guys, like, you know, we just talked about, the the situation on the other side of the bracket from the wildcats there is a very real chance that montana could find its way into the championship game and win win the conference because you know if they can get past northern colorado we just saw them blow the doors off of number one seed montana state last night at dahlberg now of course playing in playing in boise is a little bit different than playing at dahlberg but still like you said travis DeCure always seems to get his guys up for the big game especially in the conference tournament and so they might be ready for, you know, a, a, a cat Grizz round three in the semis and they can win. And then all of a sudden they're over here and the winner of, you know, maybe Eastern Washington or Weber State or SUU is coming from the other side. And, uh, you know, and then at that point, it's all about matchups. You know, I'd say that based on what we saw in Ogden, if it's a Weber State, Montana championship game, they're pretty evenly matched. And we know what the history is in the conference tournament there. Um but if it's uh, Montana Eastern SUU, uh, I don't know, you know, they could beat them. SUU seems to have their number a little bit, so that could work. But if it's Eastern Washington versus Montana, Montana could beat, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, so that's why everything is just so, so crazy. And I would love to see, I would love to see that change that you talked about Chappie where it's like, we're going to incentivize winning in the regular season so that you get further into the bracket. And if you want to come from behind, you have to play more games. That's just what it is. And so if you want to, you want to be that world beater, that, that spoiler, you're going to have to get through a lot more teams because you should have got it done on the basketball court when you had the chance.
1: Well, and it just, it turns being a top two seed into uh, something that is coveted and you're right. Like that, that definitely incentivizes the regular season games a little bit more.
0: So last question on this guys, before we wrap up, um, should the Wildcats make it to the, the the conference championship, there's a very real chance that they could play one of Montana State, Montana, or Northern Colorado. Of the three, who would you rather see the Wildcats face should they make it to the championship game?
1: <laughs> That's a rough one. <laughs> uh, I have no my answer. Northern, no, I mean, it's it, Northern Colorado just because it's – not Montana or Montana State, Northern Colorado, then Montana State, then Montana. I do not want to see the Montana Grizzlies anywhere near Weber State in anything in this basketball tournament.
2: That's uh, that's exactly what I. That's exactly what I was thinking. The one thing, especially with Northern Colorado, is that they're, they're a tough team. I like, don't, they don't get wrong, but yeah. uh, the Wildcats. Like even in their loss, like even when the Wildcats lost to them, you could see that they could still have won the game. It was just decided by a few little things and overtime and everything like that. Obviously, factors in. Like, um, but like they were they were this close to it. I think like Montana State is tough. They are athletic and. One thing that's scary is they're just as athletic as the Wildcats. You know, we've been talking about how great, you know, J.J. Overton, Cody McEwen, Dante Bassett are, just being, you know, super, um, super skilled on that side. But um, it is, it, it, I, I don't want to face Montana. Like, I don't want anything to do with them. It's its a legacy thing. Like, you don't ever want <laughs> <get laughs> to face Montana. <laughs> like, that's and,
1: there's, and there's somebody out there saying, oh, you, you want to beat your rival. Yeah, no, like, I don't. Yeah. No, not right now, no I don't, I don't <laughs> want to do that and 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 it, even if it comes down to pure coaching matchup, you know uh of of the four coaches there, northern Colorado's coach, I don't even know gentleman's name, apologies, but you know Danny sprinkle's a really good coach, Travis yes, DeCure, really good coach, so yeah, I mean, I would take northern Colorado over either of the Montanas.
0: So, so my, of the three, my hierarchy is I would rather the Wildcats face Northern Colorado. I think we all agree with that, especially the way that, um, the Wildcats hand business against them in Greeley, obviously it didn't go the Wildcats way in Ogden, but it wasn't a blowout. There were opportunities. They just weren't there. The Wildcats lose bummer. I think if they had another crack at them, they could get them. Um, but actually I'm going to, I'm going to break ranks with you here, fellas. I think that if I'm picking the number two spot, if it's not Northern Colorado, who's the next up. I think it's actually Montana. Here's why: I understand the history between the two teams. Uh, I got to watch some of it in person in 2019, and uh, watch us get blown out, you know, in the semis by Montana, which was not a good feeling. Um, but uh, I, I think that this Montana team, yes, they can be up and down, um, but I think that the Wildcats beating them in Ogden right before the win streak ended showed that they understood that it is a big game and i really believe that this wildcat team would get up for that game uh, i think that they would bring everything that they had to that game and they would understand you know the the the, the weight of the situation against them Um, And then the third team is, of course, Montana State. And the reason that I say that is because the Wildcats got Montana State very early in the season where they were still working a few things out. Um, We talked about the, you know, the matchup between Jubrio Bello and Dante Bassett. I think it's clear that Jubriel Bello, you know, won that matchup in Ogden the last time that they saw each other. There are some mitigating factors, of course, but it is what it is. But if I'm picking, I would rather see it Northern Colorado than the Grizz, who are a much more flawed team than Montana State, who I think has become a much more complete team with you know, the play of Xavier Bishop in the, in the last month and the emergence of Raekwon Battle, who was absolutely lights out against the Wildcats in Ogden. So I feel like that's how I would do it. I get it, but there's a lot of basketball to be played until we get to that point. So that's all hypothetical.
1: I, I don't know, man. I, I, I was there... Speaking of conference championship <laughs> championship games at at home, I, I was there for the uh, for the Anthony Johnson game. I, I was there for the games at, at you know, big sky title games at Montana beat Weber circuit 2012, 13. And yeah, they weren't fun. Not those, fun. Were, those, were, those were not fun at all. Especially being
0: up 20 at the half. Mm-hmm. That hurts. Um. Okay, well, let's uh, let's talk uh, then about the upcoming schedule. Like we said, folks, there is really only one game left, and it's against SUU on Saturday. Uh, that game will be at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. You can watch it on ESPN+, listen to it on 1031 The Wave, or you can buy your tickets at weberstatesports.com. They're going to be retiring Dick Mata's um, name, I guess. I don't know if there's a jersey associated with that. Um, I did mention earlier a promo, so this is Fan Appreciation Night. Um, so there, uh, you can get 30% off tickets if you go to weberstatesports.com and use the code WeberFans. Uh, you'll get 30% off. There will be Dick Mata recognition, student appreciation. There's going to be electronic scooter giveaway and free pizza. So they're trying to get the students out to this yeah. one, folks. I think they understand that it's a big deal, and so I uh, would like to see as many students as possible show up to be a part of the destruction for this one. Uh, if you're a student, you get in free with your with your Wildcat card plus two free guests. So that's three people. So use that. Bring as many people as you can. Fill up that section. If you guys didn't know, you haven't shown up, the the, the student section sits right next to the bench. And so you can get right in SUU's ear and watch Todd Simon get red if things don't go his way. So get out there and do the thing. Um, and then, of course, the Big Sky Tournament, which is coming up starting on Wednesday, um, March 9th. That's on the men's side. Okay. The women's tournament starts on Monday, uh, but Wednesday, March 9th through Saturday, March 12th is the men's uh, tournament bracket up in Boise. You can get your tickets at big Sky and Go up there. It's a lot of fun. I'm really, really sad that I'm not able to make it this year. Cause guys, I genuinely believe that um this is going to be one of the best conference tournaments we've ever seen. The conference is so so evenly matched, right? Anybody could be anybody on a given day, uh especially this last month of february has shown us that. This is one to be at, man. And if I had the money, I would be there in a heartbeat because it's going to be there's going to be a lot of absolutely incredible basketball played in, you know, next weekend. Um so get up there and be a part of it. And we're purple, man. Like I'll tell you this, a lot of Grizz fans show up to that, and it really, really sucks when you have to sit there and listen to Grizz fans get louder than Wildcat fans. So show up and root the team on in Boise. Plus, Boise's cool, man. Uh, Let's wrap up the show, guys. You know how to email us, weberstateweekly at gmail.com, facebook.com, Instagram, Twitter. We're all there. Patreon, patreon.com slash weberstateweekly. Uh, The blog is still there. I'll put some content over there soon. Uh, appreciate you both for taking some time to chat bracketology with me. We'll wrap it up like we usually do. Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats.